Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. We're going to conclude our series today called Faith Forward. Next week is our kids program. Pump, the kids are going to be singing, joy, they're back there practicing really hard, and so make sure you come, don't be like, well, it's just for the kids, no, 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 you need to come get a little revival from the children, and uh, so make sure you come, bring a friend, bring a family with you, and um, we're going to conclude today our series, Faith Forward, I've, I've uh, enjoyed studying for this, it's been amazing, and I want to de- declare to you this morning, I love ice cream. Thank you, TJ. I love ice cream. Ice cream is uh, just amazing. You know, I, uh, how many of you ever seen the movie Goonies? You ever seen the movie Goonies, right? Like, it's all cool with the, with the sloth and the, and the pirate and the, and the adventure and the little boy that has little slippery shoes and all the adventure. My favorite part of the entire movie is when Chunk is building a relationship with sloth. And he says to him, you want some ice cream? And he brings out the ice cream and he says, Rocky Road. And Sloth is perfect. Rocky Road? I love that part of the movie. You know, I love ice cream. You know, um, you know do you like ice cream plain or with stuff? With stuff. Okay, good. I, I love ice cream. And uh, one night me and my wife, we were out driving around and it was late and nothing important was open but McDonald's. And so I wanted, a, I got a hunkering for some ice cream. So I said, well, Lord, you must be leading us to the Golden Arches. And so I, I, we were driving around. I said, honey, I want to go to the Golden Arches. So we go to the Golden Arches, and my expectation is high. I mean, I'm ready. The, the vanilla ice cream with the fudge on it. Something happens when the cold and the hot come together. It is an explosion in your mouth. It is just awesome. And so anyway, you might not like McDonald's. That's okay. Do your Ben and Jerry's. Amen. It wasn't open. All right? Thank you. Anyway, we get there, and I'm all ready to go. And we pull up to the drive-thru, and they say, hey, how can, how can we help you tonight? I said, well, ma'am, I would love to have me a hot fudge sundae. Minus the nuts, thank you so much. Pause. Pause. Sir, we're sorry to inform you that the ice cream machine is broken. Just lazy workers is what it was. It was really working. So I said, you know what, honey, it can't be two in one night. So let's go to, to another McDonald's. So we were on, we go down to Vandalia, we go to get ice cream. I'm pulling into McDonald's, same process, expecting gooey goodness. Oh, ready. Roll up to the window. Hello, sir. How may I help you this evening? Well, ma'am, I'd love to have a hot fudge sundae. Mind us the nuts. Thank you so much. Pause. Crap. Pause. 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 And by this time, I'm frustrated. I know what's coming. All of a sudden, she gets on the line. Well, sir, we're sorry to inform you tonight that our ice cream machine is broken. What is wrong with the McDonald's in this area? Let's get it together. If you're working there today, 
and you're watching this, get the ice cream machine working. This was on a Sunday. So guess wasn't guess what wasn't open on Sunday? Thank you. Broken things create frustration, right? I mean, I was frustrated. It creates setback. <laughs> it, it, it creates this frustration in us when we have to deal with broken things. And this has happened several times. It means delay when the things are broken. I, like, I was like, what am I going to do? So I had to go to Kroger's. I was just going to go with like a little cup of ice cream. When I go to Kroger's, I got to get five gallons. Glory to God. It's on sale. Four for $9.99. Go, get them all, honey. Peanut butter chip, throw it in the thing. Cherry, throw it in there. Just trying to cut back. Just because it's a setback doesn't mean it might not be a setup. Come on. Anyway, so broken things create frustration. And we're going to look at a great passage today out of the book of Galatians. And uh, the book of Galatians, if you know anything about the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians was written to a group of people that had begun a journey with God. And as they begun this journey with God, they, they, they begin to find themselves kind of leaning in a different direction through the book of Galatians. They were on this journey with God on a journey of faith. And God began to really do something in this nation, but the people began to get off course. And in the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians, it takes a group of people that have been on this journey of faith, and they begin to redefine their journey of faith. And really what begins to happen is they begin to redefine their journey of faith this way. They begin to say that to live for God, everything is done by works. Now, Paul was disturbed with this. Literally, they were on the journey of faith, and by listening to others, they got off of the journey of faith, begin to, begin to, not, um, begin to not live in the original way that they came into God's kingdom, and they got off. Paul got disturbed by this, and literally, Paul describes the Galatians' broken faith. This morning I want to talk to you about broken faith. Paul had a perspective about their broken view of faith. Galatians chapter 1 verse number 6 is this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting, again he's talking to this group of people called the Galatians, quickly deserting, deserting the one who called you by grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. You've been on this journey, and now you're off this journey, and then he says, which is really no gospel at all. In other words, their gospel was centered around how well they could do to get God's approval, how well they could do, how well they could perform up to a certain level in order to get God's approval. Now, here's what he says, and then he says this, he says, Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. See, it was a broken faith perspective. 
Somewhere along the lines, there was a group of people that came into the, the, the Galatia church and began to speak these deceptions of perversion into, the, into it. And the word pervert literally means this. It means to corrupt. It means to distort. It means to poison. Somebody was sticking poison in their faith. And he was saying, why are you trying to live differently from the gospel that you originally came into and now you're living a different gospel. See, the Galatians were living with broken faith. Have you ever felt like your faith is broken? Have you ever felt like at times your faith isn't working? Have you ever felt like you, dry, you, you drove up to the, to, the, to the board of heaven and you're asking God for all these things and you get the reply, sorry, the machine is broken? I mean, do you ever feel like in your life when you're, you're dealing with life that, that all of a sudden it's like, man, like, like this thing isn't working like it's supposed to work? And here's what happens when we deal with God from a faith level that seems to not be working is we insert our own way. Instead of really looking at how God wants us to operate in this life by faith, we insert our different gospel. We, if I could say it that way, we insert our different gospel. We insert our different way. Why? Because the way that we're going just doesn't seem like it's the right way. You know why most of the time our indicator is because it's difficult. And any time we're faced with difficulty, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I was looking for a tree that night because I was so frustrated about my ice cream at the second McDonald's, I was like, honey, we're just going to a tree. <laughs> I really wasn't that bad, I promise. It's just ice cream. I'm mentally stable, all right? Hot fudge is not going to cause me to run into a tree. Might me run down the road, but not into a tree. The point is this morning is that we can live with this sense that our faith is broken. What if I could tell you this morning the key to getting your faith to work. See, over the last three or four weeks, we've talked about what faith is. We've talked about how faith is built. We talked about faith in action. We've talked about all the different stuff of faith, but I want to teach you how faith works. Are you ready? It could feel broken, but God wants you to walk in a faith that is not. So, Galatians chapter five. We'll continue in Galatians chapter five. Thank you. Give it up for Sarah. Mm. All right. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. Paul's talking to the Galatians again. He's saying, Christ has made you free. Stand firm in this and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Listen, this is after Galatians 1. You guys know 5 comes after 1. And so what happened here is he's referring back to Galatians 1. He's saying, don't get entangled with the yoke of bondage again. What's the yoke of bondage? Doing everything out of a performance-based faith. And he says this. He says, don't be entangled with that. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, wait, <laughs> Wait, Paul, what are we talking about, bro? You went from free and bondage to circumcision. 
Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. So there's two important questions we're going to answer this morning. Number one is this, why does my faith feel broken? Now let me ask you a question. Anybody ever come out in the morning and your car not work? You just come out there and doesn't work, huh? right? Doesn't work. Just doesn't work. Who said yes? Eric, sorry. Both of you, your cars are broke, all right? So you come out and your car is not working. Again, broke, broken, setback, frustration. And you go out to start your car and it's not working. Now, when you go to start your car and it's not working, do you, in order to find the problem, do you get out and you kind of walk around the vehicle? You look, at the, you look at the exterior, you're checking the doors, you're looking at the tires, make sure the bumper's all nice, and you're looking at the headlights. You know, you're, you're, you're checking everything around the vehicle to try to diagnose the problem. But what we have to realize is we all know this, you don't check whether your car is going to work by walking around the exterior in order for us to see where it's broken at. In order for us to determine our vehicle is broken, we must lift the hood. Why? Because the thing that normally breaks the car is not on the exterior, it's on the interior. When it comes to your faith, the thing that most people don't understand is your faith is broken because you've been looking on the exterior to try to fix it. What do I mean by that? He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. That's an exterior act. Everybody, circumcision, everybody got it? Everybody know what that is? <laughs> the guys are like, I am not saying anything right now when I hear that word. Pain goes to a 10, amen. But I mean, they're talking to grown people here. And he's talking about circumcision of the heart for sure. But at the end of the day, he's, he's giving an example of walking around the car and how it profits you nothing. Your faith does not work or your faith is going to continue to live in a state of brokenness if you keep examining your faith from an exterior perspective. Here's what Paul begins to tell them. He says, the exterior act avails anything. The word avails literally means to have no strength or power in it. He says, the exterior act has no power in it to have you operate in faith. There's no power. There's no strength in it. And what he's trying to get across to this new group of people on this new journey of exterior works, that it has no power. He's saying, listen, stop telling people they have to come up to a certain level in order for God to receive them. 
Um, stop trying to think that you have to come to a certain level in order for God to use you. Stop thinking you have to come to a certain level and look a certain way. Listen, just because everybody raises their hands on Sunday doesn't mean you're spiritual. Uh, the exterior judgment does not define what's broken. Here's what he says. He says that he begins to tell them that your exterior focus was not made to make your faith work. When you look at the exterior act, it creates a broken perspective of faith. Here's why. Here's why. Faith feels broken when you think God's love is based on performance and it's conditional. Like I have to, I have to live a certain way in order to get my faith to work. Like I got to ramp myself up and get my church on and go to small group, read my Bible every day. Hold on a second. You are living in a works realm. Careful now. Now works are good, but listen, because faith without works is dead. But the root of works should not be works. The, 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 the root of your faith should not be works because when your faith feels broken is when you think that God's love is performance-based. Here's what I mean by There's another word that we use, religion. Religion. Religion is one of the biggest propagators of the conditional love of God. Religion. What is religion? It's a system of beliefs or a code of moral conduct that qualifies or disqualifies a person based on their obedience to certain codes, certain rules, certain laws, traditions, or performance of required acts. It is a qualifier or a disqualifier based on your obedience. Now listen, here's what religion does. Religion is worship is merely external. Religion is doing good to earn God's favor in your life. Or, uh, religion is hoping I get to heaven someday. Religion is built on our doing. It's built on doing ritual and things from routine. Do you know that you can come to church every Sunday and be religious? But not be a person that God would put a faith on the inside of you that that faith, yes, that faith is something that needs to be expressed, but the root of your life is secured in what God says about you, not in what you're dealing with, not in your circumstances around you, not, not by looking at the exterior of things, but there's an interior fire that is created. Religion, external appearance. It's an environment of control and fear. It's fearing punishment for sin. And it's thinking heaven equals good, bad. Good or bad. So listen to me this morning. Here's the point. The difference between Christianity and every other faith in the world is that all religions are about man trying to reach up to God. Christianity is about God reaching down to man. So your faith feels broken when you feel like you have to earn God's favor. You feel like you have to earn this in front of God. And let me tell you something today. You can't live that perfect. 
Now, should we strive? Absolutely. But if we're living in a way that everything is exterior-based, no wonder your faith is broken and immobile. It's not moving. So how do you get your faith to work? Understand faith is not good all by itself. See, did I mention I love ice cream? And one of my things about ice cream that I love is there's something I go to the store and I get, I just get plain ice cream. Anybody ever heard of Magic Shell? Glory to God. That's going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm telling you right now. When Peter passes me that ice cream, there better be Magic Shell sitting right in front of me. I mean, it's a heavenly, like, combustion. When that cold hits the ice cream, you just wait a second. And bam, magic shell. There it is. It's hard. It, it like, it, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's, I don't even know how to explain it. It's so good. Lord, we love you. So it's just so good. The, the, the point is this, is that ice cream is really good with magic shell. They go together. Peanut butter and jelly. When my wife was pregnant, the two things that went together well was ruffles, potato chips, and pickles. She put them things on there, and then after she got done eating a bag of chips, she's not in here, is she? she, not, oh, she after she ate it, she would say, I need fresh as ice. Because all that goes together, right? There's things that go together. There's people that like peanut butter and bananas. Bacon and eggs, and sausage, and ham, and pork chops, and steak. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Waffle house, amen. <laughs> Things go well together. Your faith is not to be good all by itself. Your faith will never work all by itself. Faith has to be put together with something that's going to make it work. So listen, here's what faith is. We learned this. It's seeing from God's point of view. Faith is seeing from God's point of view. Let me read Galatians 5, 6 for you. It says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumstance nor uncircumstance avails anything. But faith works through love. I believe that most people's faith don't work because they're not operating out of love. Because he says your faith will work every time when you operate out of love. See, the problem is, is broken faith is a wrong motive. We, we want to look good in front of people. We, we want to we, we look like we're more spiritual than others. But see, that's broken faith. <clears throat> uh, faith that God wants us to work with and work in is faith that is married to love. Faith won't work without love. I can teach you all the principles of faith, how to build your faith, what faith is, but if you don't walk in love, your faith will not work. Love. When you mix faith, God's point of view from his word, with who he is, which is his character, which is love, you get results. You make a difference. See, God doesn't have love. God is love. It's the essence of who he is. It's his character. So when you mix his character with seeing how God sees, all of a sudden results begin to take place. 
Movement begins to happen. Faith forward begins to happen. There's no more brokenness in your faith. You start to see making a difference as a point. Why? Because now I understand that the key ingredients to getting my faith to work is love. He says it works through love. In other words, the word works means ability, force, strength, and mind. Faith gets its force, its strength, its ability through love. I'll, I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. Faith works through love. Faith works by a proper revelation of God's love for us. Not, that, not just that God wants to do something through us, but that God has a perspective of his love towards us. And when we start to see God as a God that loves versus a God that judges versus a God that condemns versus a God that pushes down versus a God that wants to always keep us under, when we start to see God from love unconditionally, no condition attached to it because we're not perfect and the only one that was perfect was Jesus and when we start to understand that there's no condition on his love, that he loves us just the way we are, all of a sudden our faith starts to work. See, because if I try to wait till I measure up, it's never going to happen. Faith doesn't work that way. Faith works through love. Listen to 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if I have faith that can move mountains, listen, but do not have love, I am nothing. In other words, God is not looking at your ability to move mountains. <laughs> oh. Ooh, help me. God's not looking at your ability to move mountains and do big things and do it without love. God is looking where you walk in God's character called love. And more importantly, how you understand that he loves you. See, it's love in 1 Corinthians 13 is the word agape. It's unconditional love. It's faith's motive. Faith's motive is unconditional love. The originator of unconditional love is God himself. While we were still sinners. While we were still separated from God. Christ died for us. See, faith, love is faith's motive. Love drives faith. It guides it. It controls it. It directs it. Faith works properly when we have a revelation of God's love for us. Secondly, faith works properly when you walk in love towards others. Let me help you just for a few minutes. If you're mean as a snake, your faith won't work. Watch me now. Watch, watch, watch now. This is the passage we love. I grew up on this passage, Bible school. Faith in God, Mark 11. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he says shall be done. He will have whatever he says, and we shout about it. Hey, we're gonna speak to the mountain. God's gonna move the impossible thing in front of us. He's gonna do it, but we forget verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. In other words, if you live in unforgiveness, 
and you don't live in the love of God, your faith doesn't work. You can talk to a mountain all day long. Be removed, be removed, be removed, be removed, be removed, and, and you can do that. But if you're not walking in love towards others, no wonder your faith is cold. No wonder you don't want to see things move. No wonder you're okay with where you're at. You know why? It's because your faith, you're in a place where you're not loving God. You're not loving others. And I'll close with this. Galatians 5, 6 in the Amplified says, For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. But listen, only faith activated and expressed and working through love. Faith is expressed and activated and working through love. Faith must be expressed through love. There's a, there's a great saying in the Bible that gives you a key of Jesus. And Jesus is love personified. And there's a great story in the book of Mark where he's faced with a great multitude. There's a multitude of people there. And it says that they were sheep having no shepherd. They were lost. And he began to teach them and I believe why he began to teach them is he wanted to get them to see what he saw. And the Bible says that Jesus had been teaching all day. You guys are, should be thankful. Amen. I'm only teaching for 35 minutes, and he's teaching all day. And he begins to teach, and he teaches all day. And it says this is a deserted place, and around the hours late. So it got late. He preached all day. And the disciples said, hey, send them away. We're done. Hey, we got to close this up. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've been preaching all day, Jesus. We're going to need you. Time out. We're done. We're hungry. We need to eat. Come on. You ever been to church service like that? I've been in some two, half, three hours where I'm like, God, man, when the pizza getting here? And here's the picture. All these people are sitting on the hillside, and Jesus is pontificating the Sermon on the Mount. He's bringing it. And the disciples are like, hey, we need to get some food. And so Jesus looks back at them and says, you give them something to eat. And here, here's what he said. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. So they found a little boy. He had five, five loaves and two fish, a little long John Silver snack pack. And he had it. And Jesus told them, feed the people. The disciples were like, uh, uh, there's 3,000 women, is what the Bible says, or men, 3,000 men. Let me check. 5,000 men, up to two grand. 5,000 men, which means they only counted the heads of families. 5,000 families. So let's just, let's just double that. Let's just do 10,000. Here's the disciples. And they ain't got no food to give nobody. And Jesus tells them, listen, here they are. We're starving. Okay, then feed the people. If they're hungry, you feed the people. And they're like, we ain't got no money. And Jesus is like, what you got? He said, I got two loaves, five loaves and two fishes. That's what I got. He says, fine, let's feed the people. Now, can you imagine being that disciple, holding the long time silver meal, 
and looking at the, the people and looking at what you got. You got five loaves and two fishes to feed 5,000 people at least. That doesn't make sense. Why? Faith doesn't make sense. Jesus was trying to get them to see something. Stay with me. He says, then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. Okay, small group time. Let's go. Let's go. I mean, they're on a hillside, 5,000 people. Hey, get your kids in a circle. Can you imagine the chaos of rallying 10,000 people into small groups? There they are. They get in their groups. He says, set them in down in ranks and hundreds and in fifths. So then Jesus starts to tell them how to do it. Hey, get a hundred over here. Can you see it? Can you see Peter? Hey, woman, get your five kids over there in a circle. A hundred over here, 50 over here, hundred over there, 50 over there. We're going to give you a long John Silver, five loaves and two fish kind of meal today. Sit your tail down if you're hungry. <laughs> so there they are. He gathers them all up, sits them down. Took the five loaves and the two fish. Notice what happens. He looked up to heaven and he blessed it. So he took the bread, he lifted it up to heaven, he blessed it. And then it says he broke it and gave them to his disciples to set before them. Now, and the two fish he divided among them all. Now, wait a minute. There's 12 guys there. They've got five loaves and two fish, and he starts breaking the bread. Can you see the disciple that gets that little crumb? Here you go. Here you go. There's, yours. There's yours, Peter. Here you go, buddy. That's yours. That's your half of the bread to go feed 5,000 people with. See, what you have to understand is the miracle that God wants us to see within our families, within our church, does not come solely through God's hand. Watch now. See, because this is where we get off. God's just going to do whatever he wants. I don't have, I'm not going to get in the way. God's going to do whatever. Nope. God's putting little crumbs in your hand on purpose. So he takes the little crumbs, and there they are. And then Jesus, can you see the disciples? Uh, I got like one slice over here, and Jesus looks at him and says, go feed the people. Now, can you imagine the first one? The first one they gotta come up to? There they are, can you imagine? There you go, here's your little, hey, don't take too much, dang it. We got a lot of people to feed. It take a little bit here. And the Bible says that as they gave, it began to multiply. Can you, that last piece, I'd have been freaking out if I was Peter. And I went to give that last piece, and all of a sudden, poof, red in my hand. What? What? See, because faith is not concerned with the exterior of the amount. Faith is based in an expression of God's love, which means the disciples missed a very important part of this passage. Are you ready? The Bible says when he saw them, he didn't calculate their need. He didn't just say, oh, there's sheep without a shepherd. They don't have anything. That's not what he did. The Bible says he looked at them, and the Bible says he had compassion on them. 
See, because what Jesus is trying to get us to understand is our faith is activated at the point of compassion. Our faith is activated at the point of love. Your faith will remain broken if you don't express it in love. So there they were. It says, so they all ate and were filled. Come on, somebody. And they took up 12 baskets. Look, can you imagine being the disciples participating? Hey, come on, somebody. We got a lot left over. Fragments of the fish. Now, those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Jesus moved with compassion. In other words, he wasn't like this. I'm God. Come get what you need. You, 50, come to me and get what you need. He could have done it. Why did he want it in the hands of the disciples? Because he was leaving. He wanted a picture of what it would be to live with authentic faith. That I love these people so much. I love this region. I love this region so much. I love this community so much. That when I see the brokenness of the community, it moves me to compassion. So if it's five loaves and two fishes, then it all as long as five loaves and two fishes is blessed by God, put into the hands of a disciple, all of a sudden we can see multiplication. I love this city. I love this region. I want to see God take your faith to another level, to where you want to see faith really take place, you want to really see the result of faith take place, start having compassion on somebody. Stop judging everybody. Stop asking everybody to come up to your standard. Stop asking everybody to get their exterior together. Stop that. That's not what Jesus is asking us to do. Jesus is asking us to express compassion and love through our faith that we spend time with God and we're, and we're, and we're solidified on how he loves us and he, he wants to have a relationships with us. And as that faith is built, all of a sudden, when we see the need, we start to move out with compassion, whether it's at the office, whether it's in your own family, whether, whether it's at the park, whether it's at the grocery store, whatever it is, all of a sudden, your faith the activation of faith is at the point of compassion. What would it look like if we took faith out of the mysterious and seen it as simple as this? He loved me, therefore I move. What if faith was that simple? Just like Jesus, he understood his father loved him and he was moved. What if that was us? What if faith was that simple? It wasn't just getting facts and figures and religious things. No, he loved me, therefore I move. What if we were a church that expressed unconditional love to everyone we came in contact with? Listen, Jesus saw, then he moved. That's what faith looks like. You want your faith to work? You want our faith to work as a church? Our faith is going to work as a church when we learn to love one another. Our faith will work as a church when we learn to love our community. When we're not scared of asking somebody to come to church. When we're, when we're no longer inconvenienced by somebody that is broken. To invite them to church. To invite them to coffee. To hear their hearts. And extend compassion. 
Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Lord, I did my best to paint a picture of what faith working through love looks like. I pray this seed that we planted in every heart and every mind in this room today. Today, God, may your Holy Spirit take this word. May, 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 may those in this room that need a fresh encounter with your love, may it happen today. May there be, may they, may they move out of this place with an expression of faith, which would, which, which would show through a working of love. Thank you today, Lord. We'll forgive us if we've asked people to come up to our standard instead of stooping down to pick them up out of their dirty mess. Forgive us for making statements like, that would inconvenience my schedule, you know. Please forgive us. Today I ask, Lord, as we move forward in faith, as we build faith, as we operate in faith, that you would do a great work through Real Life Church in this region. If you're in this place today and you say, Jason, I need to come back to God. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I've never met Jesus before or I walked away from God. I need to know him. The Jesus you're talking about that will receive me just as I am. Don't need to perform. Don't need to get everything together. Just need to ask him into my heart. If that's you today, he died for you. He bled for you. He rose from the dead for you. Today's the day to make it right. If you're, if you're not right, today's your day. Don't leave this place without making it right. Would you do me a favor? I'm not going to call you forward this morning, but I do want to pray for you. I want to know who I'm praying for. If you'd be so kind just to slip up your hand so I know who I'm praying for this morning. You say this morning, Jason, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Anybody? Just slip up your hand. I'll pray for you. All right, let's all stand this morning, church. Father, we pray today and thank you for this great, this word that you spoke out of the book of Mark and out of Galatians today. I pray, God, for your church. I pray we'd be your hands extended. I pray, God, that we'd be an expression of faith working through love. That God, it's not just gimme, gimme through our faith, but it's how can we reach out? How can we see the multitudes and move with compassion? Pray today, Lord, that you would do it. You'd work through us. Do a great work in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.